Let's get right into today's message. Our message for today comes from Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. Again, that is Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. And here is what the Bible says. And after they came to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. They then opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh my sermon title for today is that's my king that's my king if you could type that in the comment section that's my king let us pray lord if we ever needed you before we sure do need you now in jesus name amen this has been a long year but a very interesting year one of the controversies that took place this year was the drama surrounding Kyrie Irving, a NBA basketball player. He tweeted about a documentary on Amazon Prime called Hebrews, Hebrews to Negroes, which attempts to make a correlation between black Americans and the children of Israel. The documentary was long, so I did not watch the entire thing. However, the, doc, uh, the director tries to prove that we as Black Americans are, in fact, Abraham's seed and therefore heirs of a promise. And as I watched as much as I could tolerate of this documentary, I found myself frustrated by the whole thing because the narrator is trying to make sense out of the plight of Black Americans. He says that we have leaned so heavily on the Christian God to relieve us of suffering and nothing has come from our prayers and worship. Therefore, he concludes that perhaps the problem, our prayers aren't, the reason why our prayers aren't being heard is because we've been leaning on the wrong God. He suggests that we've been making a mistake by embracing a white Jesus when really our loyalty and inheritance comes from Yahweh. So he says that our hardships are directly related to the fact that we don't know that we are the real Israelites. He says that if we could just know who we really are, then everything would be okay. But I could not buy this argument, y'all. If I, but if I were to follow his logic to its, uh, to its conclusion, even if black Americans are the real Israelites, what difference would it make? It's not like we could just march to Washington DC and have a, a, a cordial meeting with the, the leader of the federal reserve or the U S mint and ask for our, uh, our inheritance, whatever that's supposed to be. Nothing about that changes the skin that we're in. Nothing changes our, uh, black experience in this country. We're still going to be followed in the grocery store. We're still going to be pulled over by the police for no reason. We're still going to experience racism and discrimination. We'll still have to jump through unnecessary hoops in order to secure a home loan. Our children might still be in poor neighborhoods and go to uh, 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 schools that don't have all the resources that they need. Even if we could prove that we are really Abraham's seed, it would not matter for us practically. But guess what? It would not also matter spiritually because here's what the Bible says. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 through 29, the Bible says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. 
There is neither slave nor free. There is neither, neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, can I get a witness? Then you are Abraham's descendants. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. I'm going to say that one more time in case you missed it. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, which makes you heirs according to the promise. That means being Hebrew does not even matter when it comes to an inheritance. What matters is Jesus. Somebody type Jesus in the comment section. So when we accept Jesus, we become heirs of what? We become heirs of streets of gold, mansions in the sky, fruit from the tree of life, leaves for the healing of the nations, sitting at the welcome table, running and never get tired. Death and sin will be no more. Walking uh, uh, through gates of pearls, we'll have crowns of gold, we'll have shoes that are never grow old. You see, biblically speaking, it's anyone's faith in Jesus that makes a person the seed of Abraham. And therefore, we will get the promise and the inheritance if we get Jesus. So it's not even about Abraham. It's all about Jesus. So their premise about our deception is way off. If we want the inheritance, the promise that Abraham received, that does not come through heritage or genealogy. It comes through a saving relationship with Jesus, just like Abraham had with God. But there's another point of contention. And it's that everyone in the Bible looks like black American, including Jesus. And yet the prophet Isaiah describes what the life will be like for Jesus. And here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse two. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of a dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. We keep looking for a version of Jesus or picture of Jesus that we can be content with, that we can identify with. We want a version of Jesus that'll give us pride in ourself and claim as our own. We want Jesus to belong to a specific people group. We want Jesus on the basis of, of ethnicity, but not accept his divinity. The Bible literally says that he has no stately form or majesty, that we would look at him, nor appearance that we would uh, pleasure in him. So since that is what the Bible says, why is it that we keep striving for the opposite? We have a white Jesus and a black Jesus and an Asian Jesus and a Hispanic Jesus. But what about just Jesus? In John chapter 12, verse 32, the Bible says, Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What do you think that means? That does not mean lifting up his facial features. We aren't to be drawn by what he looks like. It has nothing to do with him looking like Denzel or Michael B. Jordan, not George Clooney or Richard Greer, not Brad Pitt or David Beckham, not Idris Elba or Will Smith, not John Legend or Morse Chestnut. The draw 
is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And maybe we've become so shallow as a nation that all that matters to us is image. We value the sacrifice uh, soldiers make regardless of what they look like, but what about Jesus? Jesus left heaven to come to this earth, ghetto called earth, to be in our skin, to walk in our shoes, and then he covers our debt with his life. This is why the woman with the alabaster box blessed him with expensive perfume. She said, uh, and Jesus said of her, those who have been forgiven much, they love much. The draw is the evidence of his love. The draw is the demonstration of his love. The draw is the reality of God's love for us. When we find ourselves searching and seeking for unconditional maximum strength love, the highest demonstration of this is found on a on the cross. That is what pulls us in. Not his facial features, not his hairstyle, nor the color of his eyes, not whether or not he had a beard or goatee, a mustache or dimples. As Kirk Franklin says, it does not matter what color you are as long as your blood was red. Listen, we want significance so bad that we are willing to compromise on scripture just to make ourselves feel good. But that is not necessary. We have our heroes and our sheroes in our uh, black community. But even beyond them, we have Jesus, somebody type Jesus. And Jesus should be enough for us. Listen, y'all. We have to be mature enough as Christians to not get sucked into these ridiculous debates on what Jesus looked like. Yes, God created our ethnic diversities and our various skin tones, and we can feel proud and celebrate that. But we do not know what he looked like. Only those who saw him know, which brings us to our text uh, uh, today, Matthew chapter 2. These magi didn't see him. They were just looking and hoping for him. They had been studying nature and the scriptures in the same way that we know about and study the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. These magi were watching and they were reading in the same way that we know about Matthew 24. It's the same way the magi were watching and reading. They are immersed in the word and they are looking for signs because they, like us, want to see the king. So after much watching and searching, and if it all finally comes together in Matthew chapter two, they go to Bethlehem of Judea. And the text says in verse two, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Now they say this because numbers 24 verse 17 says, I see him, but not now. I look at him, but not near. A star shall appear from Jacob. This is prophecy told. And now in Matthew 20, uh, Matthew 2 is prophecy fulfilled. And I just want to pause here to say that like the Magi, it behooves us to be students of the word for ourselves. Can somebody say amen? We cannot be spread Christians always expecting the elder or the pastor or the Sabbath school leader or anyone else to feed the word to us. We have to know the word for ourselves because if we don't know, we will get caught up in every wind of doctrine without knowing the word for ourselves. We don't even know how to defend our faith. 
Instead, you'll end up quoting something you saw on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or just regurgitating what the pastor said. But you've got to know the word for yourself. These magi knew the word of God, but they were actively searching and seeking for its fulfillment. Why are they looking for a king? Why do they even need a king? Well, simply put, because the world was in need of a king. The temple was only needed till they had a king. The high, press, high priests were only in office until they had a king. The blood on the altar and the laver was only needed till they had a king. The table of showbread and the candelabra was only meaningful till they had a king. Like, have you ever had a settle for the temporary while hoping for the real thing? Well, God instituted the sanctuary and it was meaningful and it was necessary, but it would not last forever because God would be sending a king. And this is what the Magi were looking for. So the text says that they show up and ask Herod, where can they find the king? And even though they know God's word and they have seen the star, they don't know where to find Jesus. So God allows for them to be given additional information. And yet it was wasn't enough for them to just know the word and to see the star. The king is here and they want to worship. But I just have to ask how many of us are searching for Jesus like this? Uh, are we content with mere intellectual information or do we have a heart to worship? Are we looking to be stimulated intellectually or do we want to be convicted of sin? Are you simply looking for more intel or do you seek a relationship with Jesus? You see, the Magi were not content with just knowing. They wanted to worship and this was the king. So God doesn't leave them hanging. He doesn't leave them wondering. He doesn't keep them in the dark. God gives them more information because they are searching. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. This is literally what they're doing. They had searched the scriptures they seek Herod, and as a result of all of this, they are pointed to Jesus and they find him. And when they find him, they don't show up asking for anything. Uh, they don't make their request known to the king. They don't expect anything from the king. They don't care what he looks like. They aren't concerned that he can't talk or feed himself. All they know is that the king is here. All they know is that he's the savior of the world. All they know is that he is the redeemer. Uh, his birth did not deter him. His conception was not a distraction. Their journey to find him did not tire them. They wanted to see the king. And they saw the star once. They're seeing the star twice. Because verse 10 and 11 of Matthew 10 says this. When they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh because they came to worship the king. As I close, we have to make the main thing the main thing. Many people during the earthly ministry of Christ did not accept Jesus because he did not look or act the way he thought they would. I want to challenge us not to make the same mistake they did. Jesus is all of us. 
because he became us. A Baptist preacher by the name of S.M. Lockridge said it like this. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel and he's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages and he's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Listen, y'all, that's my king. Do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. And that's my king. He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea of literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be a sufficient savior. And that's my king. He supplies strength to the weakened. He's available to be tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick and cleanses the leopard. He forgives the sinners. He's discharges the, the debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He's the beautiful, the meek, and that's my king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory and that's my king. His matchless, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's my king. I wish I could describe him, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him out of your hand. You can't live outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees could not stand him, but they found out that they could not stop him. Pilate could not find fault in him. Herod could not kill him. Death could not handle him. The grave could not hold him because that's my king. So I don't care what he looks like. I don't care how he talks and I don't care what he wears. All I know is that's my king. Listen, y'all, don't accept Jesus for what you think he is, nor what is convenient for you to believe. Just accept him as he is. And what he came into this world to do for them, he came to do for us. If you have not accepted Jesus, if you have not embraced Jesus, today is your opportunity to do so. Come to him with an open mind and an open heart and let Jesus be your king. Let us pray. Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for the example laid before us by the Magi not to be caught up or consumed or care about what popular culture has to say about who you are. You've given us sufficient uh, information for us to accept you as you are. 
And Lord, we, we want to know what you look like. It's a reasonable desire. It's a reasonable request. But we know, Lord, that if we stick close enough with you from now until we make it to the grave, that soon and very soon you're going to come through the clouds of glory and we will receive you as our king and we'll finally know once and forever what you look like. But until then, may we be content with what your word reveals to us about who you are. May we accept you as our king, just as the Magi accepted you as their king. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. God keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace.